What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. Today, we have a man with quite a story, which I'm excited to kind of get into the story because there's some holes that I'd like to know about as well. But Brian Durbin is here. I said that correctly. You did. What's up, Eve? How are you doing, man? Couldn't be better. Yeah, I'm excited because I um, we didn't like cross paths back then, but somehow we we're in like a, a similar realm, and then we kind of reconnected here recently. Yeah. So maybe you know, let's start from the the beginning. You know, of like you know how you got into some of this health and fitness stuff, and then we can hopefully end up. And talk about all the ridiculously cool things that you're doing on now, which I think everybody needs to hear about. I love that pass. So from the, do I have to use my radio voice the whole time or can I shift in and out? You can shift in and all out, right, but not too right. much. You know, yeah, I'll Got get confused. It. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we, I mean, we could go back to the beginning of, of my personal journey. And my personal journey starts with um, being a confused 19-year-old in college and uh being done with sports, and I don't know if anyone out there has ever been done with sports, but that feeling of, oh my gosh, this yeah. has been part of my life for so long, and well, now it's yeah. not, right? Yeah. And so you need something to fill that void, the, you know, the camaraderie void, the, the competition void, all the great stuff that comes with sports. And so mine was active sports, so I was about almost 300 pounds at the time, because football was my thing, and that's what I thought I was going to be able to do through college, but it, through injuries and so forth, I wasn't able to do that. And so, uh, you know, I started, I stared myself in the mirror, and I thought, all right, well, you know, I got some weight to lose. And actually what kicked it off for me was I read this article that was in Sports Illustrated back then. So this is maybe mid-90s at the time. It was about two Oregon offensive linemen who uh, read articles about the lifespan of the average NFL lineman, lineman, right? And it's really reduced if you look. You're not supposed to carry around all that weight for your whole life. Sure. There's all kinds of extenuating circumstances. So these guys started running. And so I'm reading this article in my apartment at the time in college. I'm like, you know, I'm going to try running. So, so yeah, all great stories. Like, I'm just gonna try. Right. So yeah. So I go. I I put on my uh, my killer gear and I go out and I go for a run in Bowling Green, Ohio. So it's about maybe two degrees at the time because it was in the winter. And so I run. I run about three quarters of a mile and I feel highly accomplished. And I get back to my apartment. I walk back to my apartment. My knees swell up, right? Because I'm not an endurance athlete, right? I'm kind of a power guy at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, Wow, you know, I'm, I'm 19 years old and this is where I'm at. So anyways, it became sort of a, a lifelong love of exercise for one, because just that running feeling brought back all my feelings of what I got from sports. And so I started doing 5Ks and 10Ks, eventually working up to half marathons and marathons. Not that I'm competitive. I just like doing them for me. And uh, so I, I ended up losing about 50 pounds, which is the exercise. Then I was a business major at the time. I switched my major to exercise physiology started taking the food and nutrition classes, realized, hey, you know what? Uh, after a while, you hit a stalemate, which is the yeah, exercise. It's kind of right? important. Right? Yeah, maybe. It doesn't matter how much you run. Eve. If you go to Taco Bell at 12 o'clock, four out of five nights a week, yeah. you are not going to drop oh, it as fast so as you good, want. Though. Especially at 19. Oh, <laughs> right. God. So I started with the nutrition and slowly over time, it really was uh, to get down to the weight that I sit at now as a, as a 42-year-old guy, around 180 pounds. It, it really did take about three years, four years constant education, finding out what worked for me and what doesn't. Fortunately, we have better tools now than we did, honestly, 25 years ago. But I would tend to agree with that. Right? Yeah. So that was my journey. And then I started in cardiac rehab at a hospital and ended up doing some personal training, 
worked at a big hospital-based wellness facility in Akron, Ohio, which is a great place to kind of cut my teeth and, and get them underneath me. And realized really quickly that I was an entrepreneur at heart, not unlike yourself. I bet we have lots of similarities there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up joining up, my brother and I ended up joining up with a franchise called Fitness Together, which yeah. at the time was a really fast-growing, one-on-one training personal franchise, which was incredible. We moved to Charleston uh, in 2004 and opened that up, and it was outstanding. We loved every minute of it. Learned a tremendous amount. The best thing about a franchise is you actually learn the business side of things, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know about other people in health and wellness, but I didn't know much about business. <laughs> And it was great to be able to get a kind of a look at how the, the business side of things work. And so, yeah, we did that for 10 years and, and sold that. And then I met up with some partners and we're starting this brand new well-being oasis in Mount Pleasant is what we like to think of it. Well-being oasis. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's marketing. That's amazing. You that, love that, right? <laughs> I love that. That is just, it sounds like I want to go there. If you don't hear that and you don't want to go there, then you're not alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, the whole, the whole concept for us anyways now is that um, exercise is a piece of our well-being, right? And, and nutrition is certainly a piece, and those are places that I've lived for the last 20 years. But there's so much more to it, right? There's connection, right? There's camaraderie with other people. There's uh, mental and emotional well-being skills. There's all kinds of skills that come along with well-being or, or what you and I might call flourishing in life. And so we wanted to open a facility, myself and, and partners, that really allowed people to tap into all the things that they're going to need to reset their minds, recharge their bodies, and renew their spirits on an everyday basis so that they can really operate at their highest level. That's the, the theory behind what we're doing. That's amazing. I mean, uh, this podcast is really, you know, 60 plus episodes in, has really revolved around um, flourishing, I call it thriving, kind yeah. of in your world, and like how um, modern medicine is meant to help people who are sick. But if you really want to, like, like you said, flourish and thrive, it, there's more to it than that. You've got to seek out that stuff. And I think y'all have done a really good job. We've had a few conversations now of creating a framework around that. You know, I would say the last two or three weeks, I've been very uh, starkly reminded that people, most of the time, need their hand held. Mm. Like, how do I get from A to B, right? Like back in the day, you just had to figure it out. Right. And we had maps and it helped a little bit. And then we, you know, finally got these like GPSs that literally turn by turn, right? Right, And that's how most people need to, typically to get to this kind of wellness state or like thriving state. They really need all those resources and the play-by-play given. I mean, there's obviously some uh, intricacies there and, and people need to want it and like figure it out and those kinds of things. But like just giving them the resources that you guys are providing, I think is huge. And I think we're gonna see more and more of this stuff yeah. in the future. I don't. I don't think you could be more right. It, just the the thought that you know, when when we have a plan or or we have somebody who can help us with something, they've been there, they've done that, they they know the research, they can help us execute. It saves us so much time. <laughs> and at the end of the day, time is our most valuable resource, right? Yeah. What we spend our time doing is is such an incredible, important thing in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. The things you you guys do so well, I think again is this framework or like kind of quantifying what well-being is and i'd like to dig into that a little bit more because i try to say it and i'll fumble on my words and i'll be like well it's this like everybody gets it exercise everybody gets kind of nutrition they kind of get sleep but probably not enough and they probably get that they need to um be a little bit less stressed out but you know i've been to a couple of your events now and you just have a certain way of putting those things together that i think makes a lot of sense so i kind of would like to hear in your own words, which is what this kind of podcast is about, and we're shooting the question right now because the opportunity is there, but like, what healthy is? Like, sure. what what are, you know, I picture a huge 
like pie chart and like mm-hmm. what are all those pieces of the pie that that you think need to be put together in order to create somebody who's yeah. healthy? What a great question. Um, so yeah, I mean, because well-being is different for different people, right? But it does tend to fall in in clusters. So uh, everybody at at uh, at Synchronicity, which is the name of our company, is, is Duke health coach trained certified and so when you start with a health coaching model you sort of start with these different categories and a person sits and explores kind of where they're at in each one of these categories and then where they might like to go so the vast majority of us we've heard exercise and nutrition right and those are big pieces of what what there is but other categories that we explore with people are relationships and communication Um, we explore spirituality we explore mind-body connection we explore personal and professional development. And then, of course, we have nutrition and the exercise component. We, I, I threw sleep in with exercise because it's such a big piece of everything. Sure. But so generally, there's seven categories. And you just go through and you sit down and you say, okay, here's where I'm at. And it's really actually not as complex as most people think it is. It's, it's a scale, one to ten. And then you give some rationale to it. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm doing. And here's where I'd like to be. And then, to be honest with you, the average person, if they just did that as an awareness tool, just sitting down and breaking down their life categorically and said, what would I like to do? And then just took very simple steps, just a little tiny thing, you know, right today, would be so amazed at where they end up, you know, in a year. So I think that you asked for my definition of well-being, and my definition of well-being is is really being able to take all these things and be moving in the direction that we want to be moving, right? So it's not necessarily the goal or this final thing. I don't really look at well-being that way. I look at well-being as a process, right? What are we doing today in our daily actions to be moving towards where we want to go? There's never an end point, I hope. Right, right. I mean, so many things that I want to talk about right there, but... The easy thing is you just said it's simple. It is. But not easy. It's not easy. No. Right? You know, Human like, behavior is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting these. Oh, that's a big, that's yeah. a huge. I'm looking to a lot of like uh, persuasion type of things yeah. and like motivational tools and how to do that. It, you can go down that rabbit hole like crazy. You can indeed. Yeah. But I mean, that whole concept of just making those tiny little steps it, and creating what you said which has been a theme throughout the podcast is awareness that the even that 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 it is a problem or awareness that this is where I am and this is where I should be. Right. You're right. If we just took a kind of like we just take the one that I think is people don't think of first is which is relationships. Right. Right? Like where am I now with all my relationships or where am I as far as what relationships I could have or don't have? Right. And where do I actually want to be? Right. I, I would say if, you know, let's say 100 people are listening, maybe there's 100 people. Right, right, not? right. <laughs> you know, 100 people are listening that I would say maybe one person Correct. at best has probably ever posed that question to themselves. I bet you're right. You know, and they, which I think you'll find this interesting, mm-hmm. look at those blue zones, you've heard mm-hmm. of blue zones, where people live the longest. Yep. And you know what the, one of the biggest factors was? It's got to be relationships. Community. Yeah, yeah, community. Being a part of a community. Like, of course, diet mattered. Of course, like, regular exercise mattered. And, like, there was also, like, weird things, like a little bit of alcohol consumption and fish. But, like, uh, I'm pretty sure the weaving stream, when you even look at um, aging adults where we are now, when they don't have a community or don't have a sense of, like, relationships, that's typically, unfortunately, frankly, I don't want to sound morbid, that's when they die. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. It's like things just go downhill. So, like, yeah. Why wouldn't that be number one on the list? Maybe you know what I mean. If I think that... we I think we take them for granted. Mm-hmm. You, you started off by saying awareness, right? And so uh, the things that are sort of habitual in our lives and our environments, we start to not notice. 
right? It's we just habituate to them. If you want to mm-hmm. think about the the actual mechanisms in the brain of it, yeah. And so maybe we don't even think about it anymore because we're going through our routine. We go through our routine with our kids, with our spouse, with our coworkers, so forth, and we never stop to step back and go, all right. What is this actually about? How am I interacting? And is it the way I want to be interacting? Right? Yeah. The, the hip habituation thing is something, again, also that I've been thinking about a lot, which it's obviously something that can be really, really good, but also in that case, probably be very detrimental. Can, yeah. How do you shock the body? Or like, I try it every once in a while, I'll yeah. just change routine. Love it. Which is... I think a really good idea to kind of realize, oh man, this is how good it was, or oh man, this actually can be improved. But, you know, I've been racking my brain, maybe you've got some insight here, kind of going on a tangent, but like, how can people get out of their habituation, or how can people maybe increase their awareness of some of the, you know, again, not necessarily that they're, I don't like the idea of bad or good, but just like, where are you now, and where do you want to be? You you got, oh, spoken like a brilliant mindfulness guy. (laughs) Not labeling it, I love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think there's, there's, I'll I'll address that question in in two different ways. The first is that, you know, habituation is good in many cases. Like, I am a creature of habit. I do the same thing every morning, you know, starting at a quarter of four. I I run through my routine, but that's what works for me to show up how I want to work. But the other thing that I do is I can get complacent. So whether it's my morning run or my workout or my meditation, I change it periodically to be either much, much longer. And a, a friend of mine in, in Miami, he's a trainer in Miami, and he's fond of saying, you got to touch the curtain every once in a while, which means, you know, if let's say whatever your average run is or average lift or average workload or whatever you want to call it, average meditation, whatever it is, you have to realize that the barriers that you put around or the walls you put around are just curtains. So every once in a while, you got to tap them and you got to realize, all right, it's just a curtain. So whether that's breaking a PR or doing something way over the top or meditating for exercise. And I've always kind of loved that because that keeps my sort of habitual behavior under wraps that I can move in and out of it if I need to. Um, but as far as habituation of mental processes, the core skill is mindfulness, mindfulness practice. So for whatever reason, mindfulness gets this really odd. People understand it in many different ways, but at the end of the day, it's just open monitoring. It's just being aware of what's going on, whether that's your thoughts or everything else, in a non-judgmental way. That's it. That's all there is to it. And so that the beauty of that is you and I are having thoughts right now. Our hundred-ish, yeah. less than, <laughs> you know, listeners, yeah. they're having thoughts, right? right? Yeah. I'll take hundred too. Yeah. They're having thoughts right now. And the fact is that we can either be hooked by those thoughts and they just take them and we don't actually distinguish between ourselves anymore and the thoughts, or we can actually observe the thoughts. The thoughts, the feelings, the sensations, applies to a physical exercise program too, right? We can feel the stuff or we can be so connected to it that there's no separation between. So what mindfulness does is essentially teaches us how to watch those things And when we can watch them, then we're not caught up in them, we're not them, and then we have choice. We have awareness, and that is the beauty, right? Not being stuck in the habits and routines. And so, yeah, that's a big part of what we do at Synchronicity is there's multiple ways to engage with mindfulness, a ton of different ways. One is not better than the other, right? We're not going to label them, uh, but different things work for different people. And the beauty is it, it works just like a muscle. So what, what what do you do when somebody has a weak muscle group, right? Or you strengthen it, right? Strengthen, you yeah. give them a program to strengthen it. You absolutely strengthen the neural circuits in your brain responsible for this in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're talking about positive thinking, if you're talking about sort of getting over emotional responsiveness, if you're talking about rumination, all of it is the same thing as strengthening a muscle. You can change those neural circuits. Yeah, it's with anything, right? The more I do something, the better I'll get at it. I mean, you got it. There's 
something that I that just it. You said a word and it dinged in my head. Yeah. Okay. And the and the word that you said was choice. Choice. So I think this is really interesting. Again, we're going down a rabbit hole. Let's do it. Yeah. Is if you're habitually doing the same thing every single day. Yeah. And you don't have any awareness about what you're doing. Yeah. Are you even making a choice every single day? I would argue no. Right. <laughs> Arguably not. Yeah. Right. Are you making a choice in the food you're eating? Or are you making yeah. a choice in your healthy habits? Mm. Like, no, if you don't have any awareness mm. around what you're doing, I know we're going, you know, whatever existential here, but like, I think that's a really, really good point. That's a, that would be a really good motivator for somebody who may be resistant to that line of thinking. Yes. Hey, I don't need mindfulness. I don't need awareness. I just have my habit. And this is how I am, you know? Okay, like, do you think you're actually choosing what you're doing every single day? Like, do you make an active choice? No, I just go through the motions every single right? day. That's a old adage for a reason. Uh, and you, you hit on it. It's, it's an old philosophical construct, but I'll speak to this just because you have the Stoicism book out on your desk. So I'm going to speak to it, right? <laughs> we could talk a little philosophy. Yeah, sure. But Berg Spinoza is my favorite philosopher, and he says, we are free only where we know. So the truth is you're not free anywhere where you're not aware of what's going on, what choices you're making, how you're being. And so the ultimate freedom is being aware as much as possible. Yeah. You know, there's so many different angles of that. There's one. The other one is just you also arguably do not perform your best if you're doing, again, going through the motion and habituating. I'm, right. I'm, uh, do you know who Jocko Willink is? Sure do, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm listening to his podcast, kind of read his book and going down that rabbit hole. And he was talking about soldiers... And they're going through patrol, right? You've seen some of those movies. You know, you can um, understand when they're changing guard yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what he found out is that when certain soldiers went through the same routine every single day, because a lot of war is just waiting in the same routine, yeah. that they would have to constantly alter those things, not only to make sure that the enemy doesn't figure out what they're doing, but also just to fight boredom. <sighs> and like, because what would happen is eventually they would just get slacker and slacker. I mean, he had this really powerful story about warriors in Sri Lanka and basically they're like oh this coconut grove it's shady and we're just gonna go sit there and they ended up all getting killed like terror you know what I mean and there's like habituation almost at a very obviously stark scale but like again I don't want to be morbid but like the same thing could happen to somebody regarding their health lifestyle relationships whatever changes that you're kind of going down this path and just you're comfortable and then, well, you, know, you got it. I mean if you've been in the health field as long as I have it when, yeah. when do people decide when do they become aware when do they when do they realize in your in your experience when do they realize when do they when do they become aware of the habits and patterns that have sort of led to where they're at usually when they hit rock bottom you got it I call that an inflection point <laughs> yeah, right? right that's when the doc walks in the room with something you know and, and, and you know we don't need to be lighthearted about it because it's obviously a very serious thing but it's not until something you know puts the brakes on our train moving along Mm -hmm. maybe that's a real serious relationship problem maybe that's a problem at work maybe that's a health problem whatever it is but then we go oh wait a minute what's available to me right anyway yeah Yeah. now i'm finally aware of this problem now i can make a choice to either continue what i'm doing and some people make that choice to continue what they're doing i've 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 seen it hundreds of times at this point but most of the time luckily with the right resources like you like me they can, you know, make the choice to go along this different path. Right. Hopefully that leads to more happiness and more freedom and more, right. you know. More of all the good stuff. I, see, that, this is our moral responsibility. Our moral responsibility is to show them how great this other part can be. 
because it is we generally don't respond to stuff until there's a problem mm -hmm. so i put it on all of us all hundred of us listening if yeah. you're in the healthcare i put it on us to make it look so good that it can't be resisted even if there's not an immediate problem the prevention the things that can explode your life just make it immensely better in ways that you never even thought we got to get that message out there yeah, 100%. I like the idea that it is our moral obligation. It I feel is. the same way. People come into my office, you know, and they're like, well, here's what I've heard and here's what I'm doing. I'm like, you need to come see me. Right. You have no idea what I can do with you in just a month or two. Right. You know what I mean? And usually if you, you're passionate enough, which I love, this is what I talk to a lot of the PTs that we work with, like you just need to put your passion out there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, like you can't deadlift, you can't run, you can't blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, you can. Let right. me just show you how. This is going to be amazing and right? awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> right? You know, how are you going to say no to that? Yeah. It's a little harder to say no and be like, yeah, I think I can kind of maybe right. help you and, you know, we can help you manage the pain and, you know, we'll do some of that. Like, no, no, let's, let's get all right. about it. Let's do more than that. There's yeah. so much more. I, I always think about it. I, when I, whenever I've met with a new person, I think, if you could only see through my glasses that I'm looking at mm -hmm. for you in six months, this is a done deal. Let's just get there, right? Because yeah. it's going to be so extraordinary. It's going to change your life in so many ways. Yeah. That's why I think, um, oh man, it's not a rabbit hole, but the idea of sales, which most people now... Uh, think used car salesman, they think this is like a negative kind of connotation. Sure. Where the idea now of persuasion and sales, I think is totally different. I use the word buy-in. Yeah. Right? And so like, how do I get buy-in? That's essentially another word to say sales. Sure. How do I get somebody to come in here, understand that I have the knowledge, the tools, the whatever, to get them, again, where they are now, mm -hmm. which they're aware there's a problem. Right. Step one already done. Right, right. Where do they want to be? Right? right. And so I think that's really, really important that us as healthcare professionals, fitness professionals, whatever, need to know enough about that in order to fulfill on our moral obligation yes. to get that person. If, and if you're not spending some time on, you know, understanding that, I think a lot of us should because yeah. you're doing kind of a disservice if you don't do it well, right? That person, you know, uh, I'm not going to keep going negative, but like the person may not get, may not be able to achieve what they potentially could achieve without your help. That's exactly right. Or, or worse, they, I mean, you started off your podcast today talking about we're going to dispel myths, right? Basically. And mm -hmm. I, I yeah. know I'm paraphrased you a little bit, but, yeah. no, you know, sure. and, and that's the thing is that there's people, if, if, if you as a dedicated health and fitness professional who's based on what you do off of science and things that are proven to work and your passion to help them, if you don't help them, there's going to be something that comes along. <laughs> there's going to be some goop that you can buy off of, uh, you know, oh, some gosh. infomercial, yeah. right? So, something's going to come along and then to fill in that void. So I, I think we owe it to the community at large to be passionate about what we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I mean, this is what I love that's happening now, too, in the world. And I talk about this a lot. But, like, more of this information and we'll say people similar to mm -hmm. us are now being able to really, through the Internet, whatever, through technology, can really get... A, you can go seek it out yeah. way more than you probably could have yeah. arguably yeah. 10, 15 years ago for sure, right? Right, And then there's just more resources kind of available to us. Yeah. And I think that's why, that's the idea of this podcast, kind of what you said is misinformation. It's just right. A, telling people that this information is out there, how to go seek it, and maybe helping them, I'm not all the answers, but helping them kind of to, to decide, okay, this is good information. This is information that's going to be positive for me, right. put me in the right path, as opposed to this information, hey, I'm going to put, you know, 
snake oil on my body and my, you know, all of a sudden I'm right. Wait, <laughs> right, right, probably right. not going to work. <laughs> right. Maybe for somebody somewhere somehow. Right. I don't know. Everything's possible, I guess. But more than likely, placebo effects are big effect. Oh, big yeah. effect. <laughs> well, there's a whole book on that right. now, which I've been. Someone told me I need to go get. Yeah, it's, it's a great to book. Right. Supposed to be amazing. Yeah, my 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 favorite is Herbert Benson at Mind Body Institute. He sort of started with the the, uh, the relaxation response he wrote in the '70s, which I've given out probably 100 copies of in my career. Mm-hmm. But then he he gradually turned over and he wrote a book in the early '90s called, or I'm sorry, the early 2000s called "Timeless Healing: The Power and Biology of Belief," which is really he's just like, look, the placebo effect gets a bad rap, right? It, what, let's call it um, ah, the phrase that he uses is. Uh, I can't even remember the phrase now, but it's just a better marketing pitch for the placebo effects, right? Yeah. Basically, if you go in there wholeheartedly and open and trying to work, lots, lots of stuff works, right? Now imagine if you combine that with evidence-based stuff like what you do and what's right. available. Now you combine that hope and that power of I want to, I want to help myself with evidence-based systems. Wow, you got with you got biology? a race car, right? Oh, <laughs> you yeah. got it. Yeah, I mean that's the bottom line. There, there are definitely some people out there, and through the placebo effect, we know it is real that you can make biological changes with things that aren't supposed to you know make biological that is correct like it's no longer a oh maybe or like no that's this is at this point all but scientific fact i mean there's ever really a scientific fact i don't think just just there's a current scientific fact (laughs) right right. currently the one we use it's a theory everything's a theory at this point yeah that's the infuriating but awesome part it is awesome yeah you know we've put up a post recently on our Made to Move site, and it was uh, just a, a research study that said ACLs can spontaneously heal. Yeah. Full ruptured. We got a lot of flack back and forth. I bet that. you did. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm not going to get into like Instagram uh, back and forth conversations. It's just there's just not a point. Like we we're just reporting the studies and the finding. I'm not. I definitely didn't advocate. Hey, if you tore your ACL, like just sit and hope it spontaneously sure. heals. Right. But again, just getting people to be open to the fact that you know conservative management or maybe. Surgery may not be the right for them. Right. Or maybe this is actual a thing. We don't we don't know everything. If we knew everything about the body, yeah. there'd be no spinal cord injuries. There'd be no surgeries. Right. We, like it would just we everything would be hunky dory. Things would be case. amazing. Yeah, right? yeah. We're constantly trying to, again, be open and just try to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Um, sometimes tough. Now I think exactly what you said there is so important, and, and it's one of the things that Benson talks about at Harvard all the time is that. Really, if we look at the medical, so there's there's three legs to the stool. We have surgery, which is absolutely necessary. It saves lives. Yeah. Every day it saves lives. 100%. We have medications and pharmaceuticals, which every day save lives across this country, right? And then if we take this mind-body piece, right, and the power of the body to heal itself, and we combine those, we got a pretty stable base, right? Nobody's saying we get rid of surgery or medications. We're just saying that the body has a natural ability to heal itself, and there are things that we can do to tap into that. That's a big part of what we're doing at our recharging station at Synchronicity, right? right? Is We've got physical modalities that people can use, cryotherapy and cold pull plunge and compression sleeves and infrared saunas and stretch treatment rooms, but we also have the mental side of things. So we have a mindfulness room and we have an outdoor meditation space because what we know for sure is that your thoughts do influence your body. It influences your ability to recover from a hard workout, to um, recover from any stressor. And so we want people to have all those tools so that they're armed with the best things they can have. Well said. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like I love what I do, Eve, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, it's well said. I mean, it, it, again, you people will get into the semantics sometimes, and it's really at its core just what you said. Like, you can't really argue that what you're doing every day and your thoughts and your words are going to affect you right. biologically. Like, yeah, there may be three or four degrees of separation, but there is... 
there's just that effect will be there, right? You can, Absolutely. When somebody walks in a room, you can typically tell by body language of that person. And sometimes you can be fooled, I'm not saying this is 100% of people. Sure. Typically can understand if that person feels good about themselves and is healthy or if that person is not. Like right. It's pretty evident pretty quick, right? And yeah. usually blood work, you know, I'd be a wonder if there's a study like that. Usually blood work will um, show that same exact thing. Yeah, right? yeah, so. yeah. No, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, so like, why not seek out those things that can optimize your health and your wellness? And lo and behold, hopefully you can avoid that surgery. Hopefully mm-hmm. you don't need as many pharmaceuticals, right? Like I would think personally that I would do everything I could to not have a surgery and not have pharmaceutical invention. Yeah. Like I'd rather those be absolutely, you know, the last resort. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to throw everything I can at it, the kitchen sink, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And so... Let's optimize those things. And yeah. that's, I think that's the big transition that needs to happen. Yeah. Those things have typically been the first line of defense mm-hmm. with modern medicine. It's like, oh, this is amazing how great we're doing. This is awesome. And then we're like, oh man, there's kind of certain limitations here. Because right. we're still pretty sick and we have all these things that are beck and call. So we probably mm-hmm. need to do these other things. So now I feel like the things are turning. It's like, okay, yeah. diet, lifestyle, stress, all this stuff matters. You got you it. Can't, you can only throw so many pills at something the body's going to. Absolutely. You, you, know. you can only kind of cover up symptoms in some cases for so long, right? Right. And ultimately, I think we're moving to a place where we stop trying to just treat disease, right, in its biological form. We say, look, flourishing or thriving in your work is so much more than that. It's so much more than just treating that. It's not, it's not just the absence of disease. It's getting up every day and and feeling purpose-driven, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and engaging with people in your life in the way you engage with them and feeling healthy and fit and strong and all of those things, whatever that is for you. There's different ways to get there yeah. for different people. Yeah. I'd love to see that normalized. I was just thinking about this and it's cool you circled back to it because you had all those different sections and one was mm-hmm. kind of like pers- personal and business development. Yeah, personal and professional development. Yeah, yeah. and so um, that being part of it, it's people would not think twice if a business consultant came into a business looked at their metrics, right. I do this stuff, right? And looked at what they're doing, like, again, where they are now, where they want to be and give them a plan. Right, right, but right. But you do that to somebody and you tell them that they need that for their own personal self. Right. I'm sure you get this a lot. Absolutely. Like, what are you, crazy? Absolutely. Like, no, like, I don't need that. I got this handled. Like, right. no, it's just not normal yet. And we hope it's going to be normal at some point. That's such a good way to say it. You're absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> you know, when people, say, a lot of times when people think about holistic wellness, they think, well, that sounds great for somebody who has 24 hours a day and, and nothing to do, right? But the yeah. truth is everyone is busy. Every single person is busy. And so it doesn't actually take the time commitment that people think it does, right? I mean, how long does it take to do 60 seconds to two minutes of a deep breathing exercise before you start your day, right? Not that long, Not that long right? 60 seconds to two minutes. <laughs> how long does it take to, to really look at the errors and say, you know what, here's, here's what I'd like to do to improve my relationship with my spouse or my kids or somebody at work or something like this. And here's the action I'm gonna take. How long does it take to do that kind of stuff? It's surprisingly not long. It's just a matter of sitting down and saying, this is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. just that same thing with health coaches. They instantly think somebody who's already healthy, right. probably does yoga, drinks chai lattes. But, right. You know, that shouldn't be the case. It should be anybody and everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? That's interesting. What, what are the common objections that you get when, you know, because yeah. anybody who's a good fit for this, right? Probably sure. the people who need it the most typically don't seek it out the most. So there's your first challenge. But <laughs> right. I just picture we get a lot of common objections. Hey, I want to come to physical therapy. Okay, you know, here's here's our costs and yeah. here's how we do things a little bit different. So we have to go through these common objections. Sure, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure you have some of that as well. But, you know, like 
I think you've got probably a, quite a few objections you have to get over when it comes to yeah. that stuff. Yeah, time know? is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. The, time is the biggest one. Uh, uh, because people generally they're they're habituated to their routines you know we yeah. seem to come full circle around and so they're doing their things and, and most of us don't realize uh, the tremendous amount of sort of inefficiencies that are built into our lives right until we actually step back and look at them and uh, and so we all feel like we don't have enough time I don't know if you I know I felt like that uh, have you ever felt that way all the time. right yeah. <laughs> every time right <laughs> maybe not every day right right every day, but there's lot. there's usually a period that during yeah. the day when you're like geez there's not enough time right yeah and so we sort of protect that space, I think, sometimes. And we say, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And it, it keeps us in this sort of lukewarm place. But you made a beautiful comparison between looking at a business. Nobody would have a problem looking at a business and saying, hey, look, here's where the fat is in this business. Here's what you could cut out. Here's what you should do more of. Here's what you should... Nobody would have a problem with that, right? It's normal. Right? It, perfectly normal. We'd, we'd all completely understand that. But yeah, in our own lives, we tend to be protective of them, right? We tend to not be open to feedback that we could get. And I think we feel judged. And the beauty... There's another one that I would pick one, yeah. Right? The fear of being judged. Oh my gosh, it's brutal. Yeah. I mean, like when I had weight to lose, I, I absolutely had fronts up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. I didn't, I wasn't going to be open, you know, to certain things. But over the course of time, and that success momentum builds up, and then you're, you actually become more and more resilient... Because you're more and more open, as mm-hmm. odd as that sounds, you know, people think of resilience as like this strength, like, Argh. yeah. but resilience is being open. It's being able to take feedback. It's being able to integrate it with what you know and make the yeah. best decisions for your life and yourself. Yeah. More like water than like a piece of iron that's just oh. getting like slammed. Right? You got it, right? Yeah, just go with the flow. Yeah. Here is the iron. It takes way. this shape. Yeah. Unless you heat it up to whatever. You know, right. right. Yeah. No, yeah. I could. Absolutely. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. I mean, normalizing it, I think regardless will take time you know and i feel like people will say time is their biggest thing but that judge judgment piece yeah that fear of being judged i'm sh- i bet that's a big one it's huge you know what i mean right. it's like well somebody's gonna come in and they're gonna tell me personally what to do and i wonder if that's again more tangents but like is that a, you think that's a cultural thing or you think that's just like you know just a fast-paced lives or like i just wonder why people couldn't be more like if someone just told me, you know, straight up, hey, I'm going to save you time, you're going to be happier, you're going to be stronger, you're going to feel more fulfilled, I guarantee you these four things, all you have to do is like, you know, sit in a room and like listen to, you know, let us come up with a plan together. That seems like a... It's a pretty good deal, right? Pretty yeah. good deal. You know, sure, where do I sign up? How yeah. much do you have to pay you? Right, but right. That's, that is not how that person's viewing it. No, They're no. viewing it more of like... You, you may think all this stuff's normal. Everything you're doing is wrong. I'm going to tell you what to do right. Correct. You know, and Correct. how do you show people that's not that's not the case, that, that if you have somebody helping you, yeah. that... Well, I, I think yeah. I think a lot... That's that's in the way we interact with people. So you you know, and people people call it a therapeutic alliance. You know, I'm sure you experience that with people here we all the time. use that word right? all the time. Yeah. I love that word. Right, it's a great yeah. word. But yeah. it's how, how, how we present when mm-hmm. we come in and we work with somebody. Uh, it, when, when we're mindful and we're a state of awareness of what's going on in our own selves, right, then we can be open and accepting to whatever mm-hmm. is presented to us. And we close off that section of our brain that labels judges, and right? Yeah. And it's such a beautiful space because I don't know if you, you know, if you consciously pay attention, not just in our in our work, but in our relationships with other people, about our, if we can enter those those conversations in that place, gosh, it's just beautiful, right? It just makes everything seem more smooth. This is a big thing that we do at Sync. In fact, on last Thursday night, we had uh, Theater 99 come in, and oh, yeah. they, they, they let yeah. an improv class, improv right? Improv class, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. So 
the beauty of improv is that you don't have time to judge. You can't judge, mm-hmm. right? You have to take what you say, and I got to listen, integrate it, and then add on. Yes, and right. And yes, so and, yep. it's beautiful. So we had we had fourteen people come to the class. And we probably had six people email me the day before, like, Brian, this this just isn't my thing, you know? So the, the comic goes, I can't be funny. You know, I, I just, this is, I'm, I'll get nervous in front of everybody. So that's the point, right? You gotta come and do that. And we left that class Thursday night. People are dying laughing. They couldn't have been more connected. I have never seen a group of strangers more connected after a class in my whole life. Yeah. Because you're so open all of a sudden, those things are down and there's mm-hmm. trust, it's beautiful, yeah. yeah. I just recently read the book uh, To Sell as Human. Yeah, I, I know the book, it. Mm-hmm. And he talks about improv yeah. being one of the things. There's two things. One was, which I thought was really interesting, the yes and yeah. kind of like framework, which if you're not familiar, usually people will say, hey, his example was like, let's tra- let's uh, plan a trip to yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, we, yes, but. Yes, but. <laughs> yes, but. And instead, let's just say yes and. Like, right. okay, let's go to Vegas and instead of saying you know, but we can't get everybody's schedules together. It's like, yes, and we can make sure that we're flexible so everybody's schedules can be together. Right. And just keep switching the yes, but to a yes, and, which is such a simple thing to do. Yes, it is. You know, and could be easily Im- implemented. Right. You know what I mean? Which I've never even thought of. Right. And the other one is hearing offers. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. So everything, which I, I picture being more of a mindfulness state, mm. everything is kind of an offer. It's a non-judgmental, I'm here, you're here, you just it, everything's an offer, which I thought was another just like easy framework, just to open up, you know, your mind. Like everyone is just trying to offer you something, and you just need to offer something back. And how much simpler and easier and more friendly would we right. be if that was the case? Take some of the stress off it, doesn't yeah, it? It's, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. openness. Yeah. Right, you know, it's like a, they do improv. It's like, oh, I'm opening the door, and this is happening, and that's just an offer for the next person to kind of yes and on top of that. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, once that flywheel gets rolling, yeah, I mean. Yeah. That's an interesting way to connect people. I feel like I gotta take now. I'm gonna take my troop. Oh, you guys gotta go. You you so will have a blast. Did yeah. you like go and like so you just? No, Greg, Greg and Brandy who run Theater Ninety. Yep. Greg came to us. Okay. And uh, we because I sought it out because it's a, one of the things that we do at Sync is we want to offer experiences for people to get together and touch yep. on a lot of these things that we're about. And improv is one of the ways. So I actually went to a show at Theater Ninety Nine with my dad and my wife. And we get up and leave, and I said, they have to come to synchronicity. They have to do something. So I contacted Greg the next day, and he said, you know, it's actually something we do corporate trainings and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's get something going. But it's uh, of all the well-being tools that are out there, improv is not going to come up on your list in the top five. I'm putting it on the top five. That's how great it is. (laughs) I love it. That's just a life-changing experience. Just do it for a day like that. That's that's huge. Yeah. Okay, let's do uh, let's do some Spitfire questions. All right. We're running out of time already. This went way, way too fast. Let's do it. Okay, what are you best at? Uh, probably in the, at least in the professional sense, I, I can be a very good listener. Right? I can be a very good listener. Now, my wife may disagree, right? <laughs> but in right. the professional sense, I can generally show up with mindful awareness. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, so what do you struggle with? Um, biggest struggle. I would say I struggle with narrowing things down. So uh, the yes and philosophy of I I love to do stuff. I love to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so the process of narrowing down and targeting is a challenge for me. I I once read an article with uh, Steve Jobs who said they used to start with their engineers at the beginning of the year and they put all these ideas up on the board and then nobody left the room until they crossed off all but two, right? So that process of narrowing down, zeroing in, not great at it, but I'm open to possibility of getting yeah, better. Yeah. I think that's really, really powerful early on in a business. Yeah. But once you, you know, 
have a little bit of success or you gain traction or what I call a proof of concept, then narrowing things down is huge. Have you read yeah. the book, uh, The One Thing? I don't. I have not read that book, no. It's a good one? It exactly solves the problem you just talked about. Does it? All so right. it talks about narrowing things down. So like what they did was, you know, they have a marketing plan and they wrote 100 things, then 10 things, then five things, and then they say, I'm going to implement this one thing. Love it. You know, and um, I told my wife, because I have the same struggle. Yeah. That this is the year of no. Uh, like I'll it. say yes to everything because yeah. I just enjoy people. I right. enjoy experiences. I'll do more. But at some point, it just, you know, you have to be, uh, you don't want it to take away from the things that really, really matter most. Because mm. you can be really, really busy and do things that even you really, really like, but it's necessarily helping, you know, some of your core values or things that may matter to you the most. So that's, right. And it's very hard to do, especially for people who are not attuned to that way. Right. So, and whatever um, entrepreneurs are, are listening right now are going, yeah, I get that, you know, because it's I think we all have that to yeah. to some degree. Yeah, it's it's almost, it's very very hard. The more I think about it, the more I think of just doing one thing, the more like anxiety is created around that. Which Correct. Is very, very difficult. Yeah. That has not necessarily worked in the past, but yeah. yeah. So I'm challenging some of those yeah. beliefs, and uh, you know, I'll send you that book. I, uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, what is the number one thing the public should do to maintain their health and fitness? The number one thing the public should do to maintain their health and wellness. Yes. Oh, that's that's a tough question. I know. It's right? like one thing. Oh, it's so gosh. hard. There's so many. Because it's dependent on the individual. Oh, gosh, I'm punting. I'm punting <laughs> the question. Um, you know, it really is honestly dependent on the individual, and I hate to punt it, but, you know, people need to start at different places. Um, you know, some people think that they need to start with exercise and nutrition and the reality is, is what they needed to start with was cleaning their house because it's a mess and it's making them crazy, right? And they're never going to be able to successfully implement either of the other things until they do that. So it is highly dependent, but I would say the number one thing they could do is just be open about their own lives, right? What do I want? Mm -hmm. And then say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get some feedback. I'm going to learn about myself. I'm going to learn about what I'm doing and what else I could do. I hope that wasn't too much of a point. You know, a few people have said that kind of awareness yeah. piece, which I think, I, arguably, that is, if I had to pick one, that would be the most, I think, that, you know. Yeah. Okay, we could walk more, we could exercise more. But I even like you took it almost a step further and say, the number one thing you should do is, like, is your number one thing. That's Whatever right. that may be. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? And it's yeah. different for everybody. It's, it's a great answer. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, though. That sometimes you think you know what's best for an individual, and then you find out after the course of an hour, you had no idea what was best for them. They knew. You just had to pull it out of yeah. them. I mean, that's the same thing. Like, a lot of the books that, you know, I, I love consuming content and books I read, and there's a lot of people. There's Jocko. There's the people that you talked about. There's um, the guy who did To Sell His Human. I'm blanking on his name. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, whatever. All those, like... The principles are the same, but all the different tactics, like make your bed every day, or right. some people go in all in on everything. Oh no, just do one thing. Right. I mean, it's a thing. It's it's different for everybody. If there it was is. one formula, there would be one formula, but there's not one formula. There's thousands, right. and all of them are successful, and all of them can help people. So, pick your one thing. Right? Is is Bro? is what you're doing <laughs> moving you in the right direction? Yes. Is it getting you successful momentum? Let's do more of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked what you said about the health healthy piece. Like when we yeah. say healthy, it's the, it's if you're doing things that are building momentum or, yeah. or making steps in the right direction. Okay. okay, less serious, more fun ones. All right. What is your walkout song? <laughs> My walkout song? Oh, no. Uh, I don't know. I, oh, this is not You're gonna... coming out to an event. You get to pick any song you want. 
the stage is yours. I've seen you do really well yeah, on yeah, yeah. stage. So like, if you could pick any kind of, you know. You know, if I'm gonna if I do a pump up song, it's probably an Imagine Dragons song of some kind. Okay. I love me some Imagine Dragons. Yeah. I also love me some Zach Brown. So one of those, but um. Well, chicken fried. <laughs> right. I, I love that stuff. It's good. That yeah. It speaks to different kinds of my personality. But yeah. generally, I like songs like. Um, Chasing the Sun's album, Sarah Bareilles, I believe is her name, but she's got a great song that's just about understanding time. And so I start every morning after my run, I listen to that song as I'm cooling down because getting in the, in the mind frame of time, that this is, this is the time that I have. Yesterday is not, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what tomorrow is going to be. So what am I going to do right now today? That puts me in the right headspace every morning. Smart. Living in the present. Yeah. Yep. The um, oh, your favorite cartoon, so I'm gonna skip one. So, this oh, could man. be past, it could be present, you know. What got it? Okay, so if one. it's uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Curious George because of my daughters, and mm-hmm. then now they've since transitioned to uh, a show called Teen Titans, which yeah. is wildly inappropriate, but it's got some great 80s humor in it, and so they always uh, weave in like the good movies, right. weave in some like only you can understand humor, right? Yeah, right. My, uh, <laughs> Um, my kids love Teen Titans too. Do they? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's that bad. There's, um, of course, there's a scale. But, right. Um, yeah. There's some really funny. The Teen Titans movie right. I thought was really funny. Right. Right. There's some totally inappropriate kind of like fart jokes yeah, in there, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like they loved it. You right. know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. That they, they, they reference so many 80s things. You know, if you're a child yeah. of the 80s, you love it. Yeah. 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 That timeline. Okay. Um, last TV show you watched? Oh, like watched in or like watched continuously regularly. Whatever. Uh, okay. So I don't watch like much TV, but I will watch America's Funniest Home Videos with the kids. Like it. That's yeah. what I used to watch as kids. Yeah. I don't even know they still had that. Oh, it's still on. In fact, yeah. it played last night from 7 to 8 p.m. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. We watched Nailed It on Netflix. Nailed It. Which Got I highly it. recommend to watch it's good? with your kids. All right. Um, it's like a baking show where they get amateur people to try to make these ridiculously complex concoctions. Nice, and nice. They'll have a time frame to do it and they show everybody and they're... <laughs> really? Okay. I can, very I can good watch that. show. They're 30 minutes. They're very easily consumable. It's yeah. like two or three seasons. It's awesome. All right. We'll go for that. I'll okay. add it on. The uh, last book you read? Um, the book that I'm reading right now is uh, a book called, uh, it's, uh, gosh, the scientists are Daniel Goleman and um, Richard Davidson, and it's called Altered Traits. And it's a book about meditation. So these are the two preeminent meditation researchers. And so they wrote a book and it's it's fascinating because that's where I get most of the stuff. Like I really want to know that I can actually change my brain. And I love that science tells me that I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people are like, what, huh? Right. Just go research it. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, how can people find out more about you and synchronicity? So yeah. So uh, the best way they can do it is just uh, go to our website, which is www.thesynclife.com. And they can see we've got a video that kind of talks about the vision as we're rolling out. We're still in construction phase right now. So we've got some exercise class offerings and uh, we have nutrition packages that people can come in and buy. We also have a healthy cafe on campus right now. So you can come by and check out the things that we have. But as we expand out and we finish it, which we're looking at being done here in the late fall, so beginning of November, they're going to keep our fingers crossed on that one. But that's when we look at having it all done. So uh, once you check out the website, you can give us a call and you can come in and we can get you set up for a free week and see what we got. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Eve, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you so bad. much. Yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Don't forget, educate yourself, empower others, and take care of your body. You only get one. <laughs>